We are back here on the pod, episode 71 on the clock. Got a lot lined up for you guys today. Of course, we got Jack on the line, a couple guests calling in, a couple MLW faces calling in. Should be a banger. Let's go. Jack, thank you for joining me once again on this fine Monday evening. Whoop, whoop. It's getting cold, man. I'm getting sick and tired of walking over here to the Schultz's house, and I'm like shivering on my way in. I used to, I missed our <laughs> I miss our days in the summer, walking around shorts and a t-shirt, nice cool evenings. But I was walking over here freezing. It's all wet outside, freezing rain. It's kind of a miserable weekend here, honestly. Sunday was nasty. It snowed here in Michigan. Do you get any snow in uh, out there in Rhode Island at all? Um, we didn't get any snow yet, but we were on a tornado warning for a brief second. There had a pretty pretty bad storm come through here a lot of down trees and and the like so um yeah just trying to stay safe i think you got some snow heading your way like around thanksgiving i was watching the news today and they were saying if you're traveling beware because there's supposed to be some east coast snow so uh well hopefully it uh doesn't affect my uh flying plans because i will actually be coming home to michigan for for the holiday, so that's exciting. Our next episode might actually be done in person. Oh, that's news to me. That's yeah. exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, stuff. I'm getting lonely down here. Yeah, oh, oh, cool. <laughs> a little uh, re- reuniting. Yeah, that that sounds good. I look forward to it. But um, we got a lot to talk about today, folks. Um, World Series Game Three, which was uploaded on Friday, and what is being called by many one of the greatest games in MLW history. Um, Jack was not there in person, so that was his first time seeing the highlights from that game. Um, Jack, could you believe what went down <laughs> in that crazy Dude, game? This, so this was insane. Like, I, you know, I, I obviously stay up to date with the videos now because it's a, a talking piece on the podcast. But I didn't watch this one like right when it came out. Okay. Um, it was a couple days after, and then I saw the post on Instagram that was just all the comments of it being one of the greatest games like in World Series history, MLW history, like all this stuff. And so I just I I had to watch it like right away, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean those comments, you know, they didn't get it wrong. This was one of the craziest games ever in MLW. You had a little bit of everything, you know, some great hits, great pitching, a little bit of controversy here and there, you know, base running, great defensive plays, defensive mistakes. Like it was just all over the board comebacks. So yeah, I mean it was it was such a such an exciting game to watch and a really good video. It was wild. I mean, and I knew, I remember like thinking in the moment, like while the game was like unraveling in front of me and as the evening was getting darker and darker and we had already played the first two games prior to that one. And I was like, this game is insane. Like as we headed into the fourth inning, I was like, my goodness, what just happened? Because it all happened. I think it happened fast in the videos. Like it happened faster in person, I promise. Like it was 4-0 to 4-4 like that in the blink of an eye. And I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And then (laughs) the intensity was unreal. Like every pitch, every strikeout, every out was just so much energy on both sides. It was really cool to see. Um, But I think like there was a couple guys from MLW that were there. But um, it was just a, a lot of high energy there at the Meadows on that. You know, we're getting into September there, and uh, it was crazy. But in the end, Jimmy Norp hits the walk-off homer, kind of a line shot in the center field. That's a pivotal win for the Diamondbacks. They now lead the series 2-1, to one, um, which is big. They were down 1-0. They down one two in a row, kind of have a lot yep. of momentum going forward into game four. They just need one more win to clinch their first ever World Series title. But 
things that stuck out to me in that game were was not only the perseverance of the Diamondbacks, which because obviously you need that when you're down to you know your final out, down by a couple runs. Um, you know it takes a lot. It's a lot of pressure, and you got to focus and step up in the clutch. But just the amount of the just the drama. I don't know how else to describe it, but like yeah. it had like that feeling of just like a big game, you know, on national TV, postseason baseball type thing, with just like controversial calls and like big pitches and big moments. Like Kyle strikes out Heath looking there in a full count to send it to the fifth inning. Like that was unreal. Yeah. And it's hard to tell on camera like how dark it actually was outside while um that last inning was being played because you know the camera brightens it up automatically. But it was like it wasn't. I'm not saying it was pitch black outside, but it was pushing darkness. Like it was difficult to see. And me behind the camera, I was like, I don't think we should start this fourth inning, guys. The Diamondbacks are like, No, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Kyle's like, Yeah, I want to play too. And I'm like, This is probably in favor of the Wildcats because the Diamondbacks will be trying to hit in the bottom half of this inning. It'll be even darker than it is right now. But I think what I was telling Kyle after the game, I was like, Dude, we should have never started that inning because I felt bad for Kyle trying to pitch at the strike zone because like you know it's harder to see, it's harder to focus and everything. But yeah, no runs were scored in that in those innings by a miracle. But I wanted to dive in to like I was saying the drama and all that stuff, which you know of course, um, officiating, umpiring that can play a role in, in any sport. We see it in baseball, we see it in football, basketball all the time. People complaining and just how much that can affect the outcome of a game. And there's no doubt in my mind that um, there were some calls in this game that you know in the end affected the outcome. I'm not going to say they completely favored one team or favored the other team, but, you know, big calls and big moments, and it's a lot of pressure. You know, I'm kind of supposed to be the, the lead umpire out there behind the camera, but, like, my main priority is also filming, so it's so hard. But I actually made a list here um, to discuss with you guys, you know, all the calls that I think may have stirred some controversy. I actually didn't see a whole lot in the comments, to my surprise. I was expecting to see a lot of stuff about, like, certain calls, but I really didn't see too much. It was mostly just, like, best game ever, oh, my God, what a game, all that kind of stuff. But... I'm here to clear the air in case you guys were curious what my thoughts were. And Jack can weigh in on this as well. So the first one, I think these are in chronological order, but there was a play when Shima did not slide into third and he kind of ran past the bag, tried to drag his toe on third base, and then was tagged by Kyle Schultz kind of as he got very close to the edge and may have teetered off. And um, the call was made as out on the field. That's how I called it. I said he was out, came off the bag. So we go to video review on this one, and these video reviews, folks, it may look more obvious than it is on the videos because we have, you know, the images are blown up, they're played in slow motion, but at the Meadows, you know, we usually take a look at the main camera angle, which you see behind home plate, which, you know, doesn't show a whole lot, especially from looking at plays at third base. It's so hard to see. And then, alternatively, if we have someone using the iPhone to film, which a lot of the angles you guys see are done via iPhone, those are pretty easy to manipulate and zoom in and watch back in slow motion. But once again, you know, we're not trying to spend all day here reviewing a call and it's, you know, it's an opinion type of thing. You know, there's not guys in New York in the booth saying this is the call to make <laughs> and relaying it down to me in a microphone. So in this scenario, um, like I said, I called him out at third on the field and I couldn't really see anything there to overturn it to being safe. That is why the call stood us out when I called it. In my head, I'm thinking, I hope I got that right. Like, I couldn't really tell in these replays, but I can't overturn this. Now, watching it back, I think this call was made correctly. Do you agree, Jack? Yes, absolutely. I thought it was. I thought it was correct um, as called. I when watching it live 
and I don't even know if this is like a rule or would affect it, but I kind of thought that Kyle almost like used uh, his momentum, like used Shima's momentum to almost like push him off the bag. That's almost what it looked like to me in live time. But then mm-hmm. in the replay, I saw that wasn't really the case. And he just sort of tagged him right when his right when his foot lifted off the bag. So I thought that um, it was a close call, but it was a it was a correct call. That's a totally fair point. Um, and I think I did see one comment that said like Kyle may have pushed off Shima there, but you know, like I said, these reviews happen so quickly, and I'm trying to make the right call. In the end, my decision that day was there's not enough to overturn this, but I do think I got the call right. So, moving on, I think less is either less than an inning later or like an inning later. Shima, again, going to third base. This time he slides, and Sailor attempts to peg him from left field. He is once again called out on the field. That's what I saw. And this one got a lot of uproar from the Diamondbacks. Jimmy started yelling, Shima saying no way, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh boy, did I blow this one. So here we go again. Back to the cameras. Main cam, I don't see a whole lot. iPhone cam, I can't really see much. I I do see the ball deflecting, but it's hard to see when the ball made contact with him versus when his foot hit the bag. Um, so I'm seeing, especially from the main camera angle, I can see the ball kind of passing behind him well before the foot ever comes in contact with the bag. And I'm thinking, okay, based on the footage I'm seeing, I think I got this one wrong. However, is there enough evidence there? It's hard to say. But now you got to think. I'm thinking quickly here. And I'm thinking also, an inning prior, there was a bang-bang play at third base that went the Wildcats' favor. This one, I think I'm seeing a slight edge for the Diamondbacks. I think the ball, based on especially the main camera angle, I think it did touch him before his foot hit the base. This call is reversed to out. Watching back the footage, this is just my opinion, I think this one probably should have been um, upheld and stood just based on a lack of evidence. What do you think, Jack? So you think he should have been safe then, right? I'm not saying he was safe. Like I said, I'm not saying this is a call confirmed situation where I blew it. Right. But I think the call probably should have stood as out just based on the fact that's what I said originally. What do you think? Wait, so you called him out originally? Correct, and that was reversed to safe. Okay, I think you uh, I think you did the right job reversing it. Based on so? what in my opinion, based on the footage, I thought it was sort of a um tie goes to the runner situation. I thought it, it was like sort of a based bang, on the footage. Play. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Based on the footage, it looks yeah. like it was literally a tie. Uh, yeah. Kyle's going frame by frame in one of the camera angles, and it looks like his foot is touching as the ball's deflecting. And I'm like, yes. wow. So, so I, like, yes, maybe he was safe, but the fact that I'm thinking maybe I screwed up is because, like I said, what did I see in that moment that made me think I have enough to overturn this? You know what I mean? So was right. the call made correctly? I think if we had, you know, a 4,000 frame per second camera on him, I think maybe he was safe, but it's so hard to tell based on the replays that I saw. And, you know, to overturn a call like that, it's a big decision. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I mean, based on the cameras, based on the equipment, it's you're in a tough spot there either way. Oh, I, I know, think, I know. I think the, the call could have went too. either way. High yeah. stakes, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, very high stakes, yeah, of course. Okay, on to the next one. This one was very unique and something we've never seen before. But a play that had kind of wrapped up, players had kind of checked up on the bases, had kind of come to a stop, but the ball is still at the left field fence, and Nick Saylor kind of throws it sidearm, and the ball gets away from him and hits the MLW Wiffle banner on the ground behind the backstop to the right as the camera was looking at it. This is a scenario we've never really seen before. We've never really had a 
kind of unsaid dead ball, but kind of a dead ball that ends up out of play type thing, especially in a game like this. So this is kind of the things where like you're almost inventing the rules as you go, but not really because there's no stealing in MLW. So like the ball is dead at some point. Base runners can't just come and go as they please. However, if a ball's at the fence, you know that's a live ball. Any base runner at that point can can you know extend. You see Ward all the time with very aggressive base running where plays that are you know seemingly dead players are standing around. Ward is still running the bases type of thing. So that's what I'm thinking about. I'm you can hear me saying to Kyle that has to be a throw out of play. It has to be out of play because once again. Those runners could have advanced if they wanted to while Nick was still, like, you know, putzing around at the fence with the ball. If the ball was in Kyle's hands and, like, he decided to throw it, like, to one of his players for no reason, I would have said, no, nah, it's a dead ball. Like, that was at the pitcher's mound. No one can advance. But the fact that it was still at the fence, this had to be called out of play. I stand by that decision. Um, Jack, what do you think? So my question to you would be because we don't have that banner mm-hmm. there all the time. And if that ball that Nick threw, first of all, do you know why he even did that? I still, like, I would love to talk to him or Kyle about this. Cause yeah. we will, once this series is all said and done a week from now, but I don't know what happened there. It's one of those things like you're in the moment. That's like a big high emotion, high stakes thing where you do something kind of stupid. That's almost a mental error, but it turns into a physical type thing. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing just looks so awkward. It was, it was weird looking. I was, uh, I was pretty confused, but, um, yeah, we'll get his insight after this series. But my question would have been, you know, if that banner is not there and he throws that ball and it kind of just lands there, but Kyle doesn't really like run into that banner. Do you think you still make like the out of play call? Because we don't really have a line over on that side of the field for out of play. You know what I'm saying? I understand completely. Um, It still would have been out of play. I knew that in the moment, too. I was thinking about this because the like backstop extended line, it would have crossed that. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Jack? You think there should have been a dead ball, no runners advance, or do you like the out of play call? Runners no, I think that's. Or, or I think score to run. Well, I think your logic was strong there that the ball was at the fence and was not in the pitcher's hand. Nick was essentially throwing the ball back to the pitcher or throwing it somewhere. I don't think he was intentionally trying to throw it out of play. He, he was wasn't. trying to keep it in play, and the ball ended up out of play. So I think that I think you made the right call there. As mm-hmm. weird as as weird a play as it was, I, it was the right call. Mm-hmm. And this is once again, this is our league, our rules, um, and this could very well lead to I think some sort of rule being made. But it's hard because you know you don't want to say oh pitcher's hand is a dead ball because then you might have base runners like extending everything and it could change a lot. So I don't know how we're going to manipulate the rules if we do to prevent something like this. But um, yeah, like you said, the ball was at the wall. There's no way that can be called, you know, plays over when runners could have still been moving if they wanted to type of thing. So I stand by that call. I think the right decision was made. There is one more play that I wanted to discuss, and that was later on in the game after that fourth inning drama, um, or sorry, third inning drama, excuse me, and that is where Kyle hit a ground ball up the middle, and it was a peg play at first base. He was called um, out on the field, I believe, and then the call was upheld as out. Um, and once again, bang, bang play, hard to see with the depth perception of the camera angles, like if the ball actually contacted him or, contacted him or not. Um, I think in this scenario, once again, there was not enough evidence. Um, the call was upheld. He was remained um, out, as I called it, on the field. I think, if anything, the ball may have brushed his jersey. It's really hard to tell. I was watching but frame by frame today to see if the jersey moved. So hard to tell. 
But um, I agree with my decision to keep the call. Not enough evidence to overturn it. Kind of similar to the, how I was saying maybe I made a mistake with the play where Shima was sliding in type of thing. But based on that video, I don't know. Did it hit him? I couldn't really tell. I still couldn't tell. I think that you made the right call on this one. I think it's very, it was very subtle, but um, just sort of the way like the ball clicked off and the trajectory of the ball going at him, I thought that it, like you said, was minimal contact. But um, in my opinion, watching it, you know, instant reaction was you got that call right and that he was out. The ball hit him while he was in the air and then he came down on the plate. So I thought that was the right call. There Close was, as it was. There was one more call that didn't get a whole lot of, like, review-type energy in the video that we did actually look at because Kyle was upset at first, but then once he saw it, he's like, oh, yeah, you guys were was, right. But was it, was it where the, Jimmy just, like, trucked him? No, 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 no. It was the one oh. where um, there was a force out at second base that ended the inning where oh, a yep, run was yep. coming home. I was like, right away, I was like, oh, he got him on the force out. And the cow's like, no way, no way. And then, like, we watched the cat back, and it was obvious. But just something to note mm-hmm. that we did take a look at that one as well. So, listeners, uh, I'm curious to see if you thought calls were blown or if mistakes were made on my end. Please let us know on Instagram, on in our DMs, or um, in the comments to this post for this podcast. My feelings won't be hurt. Um, we're just, you know, we're talking sports. There's always calls that you may have think should have gone your team's way or you think it was a bad call. So, um, I'm open for it. But at the end of the day... I think I said, like I said, three out of four of those calls, I think I've made 100% the correct decision. The one that I think was a little iffy was the one where Shimo was sliding into third base, even though I think at the end of the day he was safe based on the video. But with the evidence I had at the Meadows, maybe that call shouldn't have been overturned. So that's all I'm going to say about it. But now I wanted to have some fans on the show to talk about this crazy whirlwind of a game that we had just to get their take on it and what it was like to take that in as a consumer of the MLW product. So first, let's go to Mason. We have Mason on the line. How you doing, Mason? Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, game three was a hell of a game. Absolutely electric game. So like I was saying, um, what's it like as a fan who doesn't know what's happening while they're watching the video and you're taking in everything as it's, as it's going on in this wild game, like, do you think the D-backs have any chance of coming back in this ball game, or do you think the Wildcats have it in the bag? I mean, as, as soon as they had that three-run inning, I was like, this game's over. And then they had that magical third bottom of the third inning, and uh, they came back. I, it, it was uh, insane. And uh, like you were talking about with that uh, Shima play at third, uh, that, yeah, like you said, that was like the one where I felt like it was like a little iffy but, you know, I felt like if um, Shima was out, you know, at third, uh, that would have made the game because he did strike out. There was uh, there was one out in the inning mm-hmm. um, when he was called safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he was called out at third, that was the end of the game. So, I mean, kind of controversial. I- I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what other people have to say about that call. But at the end of the day, I think you did make the, uh, the good call and uh, he was out at third, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you think on the one where he was sliding that he was end up being called safe, you think that he was out, correct? Um. Yeah, it was kind of like 50-50 with me because, you know, I was kind of watching it too. Like I, as soon uh, at first when I was watching the video, I kind of like stopped it and like, you know, uh, clicked like the thing over and over again where mm-hmm. it kind of like 
slowed the frame down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was very close. I felt like that was the one call where it could have called the game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a it was a hell of a game. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it, it was really a 50-50 ball. And even watching the replays frame by frame now on YouTube, it's like, man, like I don't even know what the correct call was. So, um, I like I said, I was surprised not to see more uproar in the comments. Maybe there was and they were just buried, but I don't know. But um, so now with a 2-1 D-backs lead, what do you think's next for the Wildcats? Do you think they have what it takes to come back against a great D-backs team or do you think this series is over? I'm going to, I'm going to say something very wild. Okay. Um, we love it as the, as the, uh, wildcats second pitcher, Nick Saylor. I think he takes the bump on game four. Oh, um, a hot take. I, I think, I think he takes the bump on game four. Um, and if he does, I think the wildcats take this one and we go to a game five. So you have that much confidence in Saylor as the number two to go out there and get a win hey, in, in an elimination yeah. game. Saylor has been, I love it. Very sneaky this year. He's been a, He's been a very good pitcher this year. I mean, I agree. ERA leader. Um, yeah. He doesn't have the nastiest stuff, but, man, he can locate, and he <laughs> he gets guys out. So, yeah, he gets uh, the job done. So, it's okay, so Sailor takes game four with a W. Then who wins game five? Like I, uh, like I uh, said, Sailor takes that game four. Kyle Schultz probably taking game five if I'm him. You know, Wildcats leader. Um but um, if if it's a game five, it's gonna have to come down to ace versus ace, mm-hmm. maybe. I I think the Diamondbacks take game five. Wow. Okay, I would love to see this series go to game five. Um, I just yeah. feel like these are the most entertaining games we've had all year. Just so much drama, so much great plays, great pitching, great hitting. It's just absolutely electric. Well, Mason, I guess we'll see if your predictions come true. Uh, thanks for calling in today. We, we enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you, man. Yep, talk to you later. Thank you. All right, and now let's go to one more caller. We have Nick on the line as well. Nick, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. How's it going, boys? Going great. Going doing? great. <laughs> thanks for joining us. No problem. Okay, so to kind of build off of what you were hearing us discuss earlier and as Mason chimed in, um, what did you think of some of the controversial reviewed plays? Anything you thought that should have gone one way or the other? I personally, I, it was, it's very close to call. I couldn't tell whether you, he was safe or out either play. Even by the camera angles, it was hard to tell. It was. I, I, I personally think that you made the right call on, on all of these, Tom. Wow. That's that's thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> I remember. Um, it's a funny story. After we went home in the middle of game three, after the fourth inning, like Kyle and Jimmy both texted me in a group chat, like, "Yo, Tom, sorry for screaming at you during the game with all these controversy." I was like, "Don't sweat it, boys. It's part of the game. That's what I signed up for." So yeah, the intensity was crazy. But I'll ask you a similar question to what I asked Mason. Um, so now that the Cats are in this 2-1 hole, do you think they have a chance to come back and win the series still in five? I'd like to see it happen, but I, I have my doubts. You have your doubts. Who do you, I, now, I, I, Mason was saying he thinks that Sailor should start game four. Do you agree with that, or do you send your ace back out there and Kyle Schultz? I mean, for the most I part, send, outside of that um, third-inning whirlwind where they got four runs on him, he's been pretty dominant against this Diamondbacks lineup this far. I agree, but I I think it's crucial 
crucial game four. I would I would send I would send Kyle out there, and if you see him struggling, then you throw Sailor back in, okay. just to throw every throw the pace off a little bit. I, I like that plan. Um, I, I would love to hear Kyle Schultz's take on this too, because you know things are happening fast. You know, as soon as game three wrapped up, we pretty much took five minutes and then got into game four. So not much time to make that big decision that can have you know a huge impact on their season outcome. So uh, I'm curious to see what he does. But um, what's what stood out to you most about this series so far beyond even what you saw in game three? Just the energy between two te- both teams have so much energy and they build off of it, like. No matter what, one swing of the bat could change a whole game just by everybody's energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Did you think after watching the Diamondbacks, you know, these past few seasons prior to this year, do you think they had any shot of being the team that they are right now with, you know, all this energy and the hype and the fan base they developed? What's that been like as a fan just to see the Diamondbacks evolve as a franchise? I'm a big Diamondbacks fan. I'll give it to them. Right. So okay. I first year I thought these guys are going to be nothing – they they got nothing. They got nobody. Mm-hmm. Like they were all new guys. No one no one knew who they were. And then I think the real turning point is when they got Norp. Mm-hmm. Jimmy really the draft figured the big draft for Norp. And then after that, it was all kind of Norp started getting everything going for everybody. And then after that, everybody kind of fed off one another, and they became very dominant. Yeah. And it really surprised me this season with how well everybody gels together as a team on that team. Yeah, he's a good leader. I can't deny it. Um, he really reshaped the trajectory of this franchise, I would say even single-handedly. You know, he's he's brought in the counterparts that I think he thought would be help them be successful. He's, um, you know, developed a lot as a player. Of course, he was successful last year. Um, but I think this year, you know, he's really coming to his own on the mound and at the plate, you know, probable MVP winner of 2021, hopefully soon to be a World Series title winner if you're a Diamondbacks fan. So um, I give a lot of the credit to Jimmy. Of course, he wouldn't be where he, where he is right now without um, Heath and Shima and Wilson and guys like that, but um, he's really done a great job. I agree, I agree. All right, well, Nick, thank you for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed your time on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in each and every episode, and I uh, hope to have you back on soon. Thank you both for having me. Also, Jack, nice handlebar mustache. Thanks, dog. <laughs> yeah, guys, you can't see this, but Jack's mustache right now is just phenomenal. It's a work of art. This man deserves to be on magazine covers selling Wrangler jeans with this mustache. I mean, it is a thing of beauty. But, Nick, thanks again. Appreciate it, Nick. Thank you, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. Um, we are now joined. It's my pleasure and my honor to introduce Alec Warda to Pipe It Up today. Alec, how you doing? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Doing good, doing good. I know you're a longtime friend of Jack. You guys are sitting here talking while we're getting warmed up here. But, um, Hello, baby. <laughs> How's it going, brother? First thing <laughs> Alec did was compliment Jack on his mustache as well. So, Jack, I think it'd be a crime for you to not share this with the world in some capacity. Maybe an Instagram post, maybe... <laughs> 
like a subtle like Instagram story. <laughs> I don't know. I right. it, it can't well, be kept to yourself. It's just that's a crime. All right. I, I I'll you know what I'll let everyone in on it and uh, I'll share the love with the mustache. Let them know what's <laughs> Figure going out a way on. to it. Now it's getting a lot of hype on the it's pod. It's too so. it's too powerful, bro. It's too, it's too powerful <laughs> to keep hidden, man. It's like one of the infinity stones. That's, that's <laughs> probably. <how. laughs> All right, we're cool. All right, I'll share. I'll share. Please do, please do. We can talk about it. Maybe a good way to do it. But um, Alec. So if you guys didn't know, the reason I brought Alec on today is because. If you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen that Kyle, Daniel, and Alec went out to New York last week um, in partnership with Dick Sporting Goods and Nike to do a little like community event, which honestly I don't even know all the details about because I haven't talked to Kyle about the his experience since he's been. I only talked to him prior. So it's great to have Alec on the show to kind of break down actually what went down. Um, so Alec... Um, when you arrived to New York to this event, um, what's the scene like? What's going on? What do you even know prior to showing up? Uh, well, we we really didn't we really didn't know much, man. It was kind of we, we were kind of going in there just yeah. We didn't we didn't know what it was. They were just like yeah, we just want you guys to be there. Basically, is what they told us. <laughs> okay, so we That's went there the, too. the day that, and so we kind of went in blindly. Went in the day before to kind of scope it all out. They told us to come. And just to talk to the Nike employees, the Dick's employees, just to get our ground straight, kind of get an idea of how we're going to of how we're going to run this event and kind of, you know, like what basically how we're going to how we're going to set everything up and whatnot. So we talked to a bunch of the Nike employees, super nice people. They were they were so generous to us. So nice. I had never been treated like that before. Uh, you know, they were just asking us if we wanted food and stuff. And we were like, no, it's like, <laughs> we're fine. Like, no, come on. So they're like whining and dining us. But yeah, so at when we get there on the event day, um, basically what this was is it was a celebration of the partnership between Nike and Dick's. Okay. So how you, in, in to like promote this, they had earlier on, earlier on in the day, they had, uh, professional baseball player James McCann there. Uh, so if you were like a Dick's uh, rewards member, and if you weren't, you could just sign up there on the spot and just like go and see him and meet him and stuff. If you're a rewards member, you could basically go there and play wiffle ball with us and James McCann. And they wanted us to just kind of promote it and, uh, you know, just kind of like, just like be the be the presence because they know that we ran that we run tournaments and we kind of know how to do things like this so yeah so. to kind of just like bring the energy get the kids excited mm-hmm. keep them in order that mm-hmm. kind of thing okay yeah yeah definitely so uh so earlier on in the day two baseball teams to like probably they were probably nine ten mm-hmm. two baseball teams came uh james mccann is there so we were hanging out with james uh really cool dude super humble he was fascinated by the pitches it it was it was really cool to see him like he was just looking and then he would just look at a pitch and it would just ping the zone he would just look at me and i was like i i like i told you it's (laughs) it's nasty man um so yeah we basically just coordinated for the baseball section we basically just coordinated like a uh, a huge wiffle ball game between these two teams and oh man, it was it was so fun. It's just like I mean, you know how the kids are at these tournaments; they're mm-hmm. so hype. Uh, some of these kids they were a little young to know like what MLW was, 
So some of them knew, but uh, yeah, we just coordinated this big, uh, this this big wiffle ball game and had like a little home run derby, and then they had a Q and A with James McCann. Um, so yeah, that was super cool. And then later on in the day, similar thing with the baseball kids, except with softball girls. So these two teams came and, but instead of for their, the Nike athletes they brought was, uh, Monica Abbott and, uh, Kelsey Stewart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Olympic so Monica, softball players, Olympic softball players. This Crazy. girl was unreal. She was probably 6'10". What? <laughs> I am not oh my kidding God. you. Maybe not 6'10", okay? I'm, I might be exaggerating, but six <laughs> over 6'5", over 6'6". Six, six, six. This girl was probably throws heat, you know? And mm-hmm. she is literally the starter. They shut out Canada recently in, in the Olympics, I think. They shut out it's Canada. so sick. Unreal. Like, these, these girls were just the craziest softball softball players ever and they requested to meet us uh in like their camper it was like a movie set dude they had like they had this like camper oh they had like their own little trailer like that's yeah their trailer it was so we walked in and they were like yeah so the softball girls want you to want you to come oh so yeah we go and meet them and then we kind of give them a rundown of kind of how like what we're gonna do kind of how we're gonna run it how we did it before and if they have any suggestions on how they want to do it uh and i you know we weren't sure if we should pitch overhand or underhand to them i mm-hmm. mean we're throwing basically BP to them, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But throwing underhand is accurate is kind of tough, man. It's very difficult. Very it's difficult. It's tough. But, uh, so I was like... And yeah, you were, ahead, hey, you were downplaying. You said there's no MLW fans there, but I saw you signing some autographs, Warda. There was there, a couple. But there was a couple. There were. They were, they were hiding in the rough. And yeah. then I think they needed... They Some of them were a little shy, and they needed to get like comfortable you know like, like we're talking to them while they're in the infield and as soon as they got a little comfortable then they you know they wanted to come up and and uh, yeah. and talk to us and it stuff. is and, and, the, the shy kid situation is always a little difficult yeah and i was a yeah. shy kid myself so i i know where they're coming from but it's hard because like <laughs> i don't want to like approach them if they don't want to talk if they're a little nervous but then at the same time it's like their parents drove all this way to come meet us maybe so then if you don't have a good interaction with them it's like that's a shame you know what i mean Right, exactly. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when, when they come out in the infield, we're kind of mixing in. I was throwing really good BP that day, so I was mainly the pitcher. But, you know, we trade off, and, uh, and you know, we're, like, in the outfield mixed with the kids. For me, I was pretty indistinguishable for them from them, mm-hmm. you know, the same yeah. similar height. <laughs> I feel the same way when I'm out there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but, no, yeah, I was, I mean, you know, we, we kind of mix in. We talk into, we're talking to them and stuff, and then they became a little bit more comfortable, and then they – they come up and talk to us, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, it was, it was, oh, Warda, it was to these, to these softball girls, you're, are you underhand pitching them wiffle balls? Uh, yes. So oh, that, ta- that would be really hard. Yeah. That'd are be you hard. talking like, about, are you talking about like the professional players or the, the, the girls, like the whoever, teams? whoever you were throwing it to. Okay. So we were throwing it. Yeah. To the girls. And I was trying to figure out, they taught me how to like, how to throw like a, like a fast pitch like impossible crow hop yeah and it's tough i kept throwing it up in the air and then i'd adjust and then i'd throw it on the ground and then i would so hard it's really tough it's just whiff ball is not meant to move like you can't get a lot of flick on it yeah with a wiffle ball i feel like it's impossible yeah it's 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 impossible uh just about 
yeah. Um, it's, it's not like flicking your mouse. It's a lot different, you know what I mean? A lot different than a mouse <laughs> flick. No. If it was a mouse flick, oh, God, I'd be styling on these girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you kill me. You kill me. So I wanted to ask you, too. I think that was the first time you traveled for like an MLW event since the very first tournament we ever did, which had like two teams that signed up for it. So yeah. I don't know. Did you? Was it what you expected? Was it different than what you expected? I know this was kind of a new event for us too. We didn't know a whole lot about it going into it. So I don't know. Like, were your expectations met? Were they exceeded? Were you surprised? Uh, severely exceeded. It. It was. I mean, I had never. Like I said, they. They. The way that. The amount of respect that I was being, I was given, was so. Uh, I don't know. I've, I, I've just, I've never been given that amount of respect, and how much they had for, not only our level of play, but our entrepreneurship and business development. They all thought it was so cool, and had so much respect for basically what we do. Mm-hmm. And these are the Nike employees. How the Nike employees were, were, were treating us. They mm-hmm. were so so happy and just in general the 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 dicks employees and kyle just kept saying like yeah man this is you've never traveled with us to like like he was like this is exactly how it was at shangri-la it mm-hmm. was like the same thing mm-hmm. so i was just how how excited that the employees were to have us was really cool and yeah it was so much different than going to sports force parks or going to legacy or something like that mm-hmm. yeah i was glad you got to make the trip because i know this was very last minute. I don't know when Kyle like actually gave the invite, but we didn't weren't even made aware of this opportunity until like mid October. So it was very last minute. Just kind of via email, very vague, saying, Hey, we have an opportunity for you guys and then the phone call happened and we made it happen. But I was super um, happy you got that opportunity, so I'm glad you uh glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it was same same time. It was probably yeah, October yeah, mid October, mid mm-hmm. to late October. He told it was it was in three weeks was how it was. Yeah. It was the timeline. It was like, okay, not next or in, in yeah, in three weeks was mm-hmm. how long I had to kind of like prepare and call my professors and kind of rearrange my schedule a bit to make sure it was possible. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was really cool. The Nike, Nike staff, they were so nice to us. Dicks, they were so nice to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, this, just not to cut you off, Warder, but I like to say I like to say stuff like this to the fans and to people who are building their own thing. Um, I've talked about this before, but to hammer it home again in this scenario, this was an opportunity that was presented to us. You know, we didn't reach out to Dick Sporting Goods or to Nike for this, looking for anything. Um, they reached out to us and get, presented us with this opportunity, and we happily accepted. So once again, um, sometimes you can't chase something like that. Maybe that's your goal of where you want to get to, but. Just focus on building your brand, building it the right way, and it takes time, but then these opportunities will come. So Yeah. Um, you know, it's just yeah, just a byproduct of all the hard hard work you guys have done. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, things things pop up like this. It was similar mm-hmm. to See Awarda. <laughs> <laughs> see if we can get it back on the line here. A little technical difficulties on the podcast. To how Oh there he is. Hey Warda. Am, am I still laggy? Am I still <laughs> laggy? Oh god. I'm gonna leave that in there. That's funny. <laughs> hey, you're lagging, but, uh, man. Fix the ping, dude. Your ping's yeah, like I know. 60 the ping right is now. tough. I'm not hardwired, man. Oh it's my tough. god, you gotta be hardwired. Don't, you of all people should know this. You need more RAM. I know too. the flicks are still happening. The router is just a little too far away from my 25 foot cord. Can't can't make it happen. Plus, is this your school setup? This is my school setup. Yeah, you yeah. gotta be at the home base, right? Yeah, I gotta be at the home base. Yep. Yeah. But uh, 
but it was similar to how the TBS thing happened. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of one of the guys that at TBS had kind of known about us and mm-hmm. made this like basically pitch to his team about how he wants us, how he think it would be cool for us to come on. Very similar thing. The marketing team, this guy has like known about us for a few months and he just kind of made a little sales pitch and, uh, yeah, they were like, yeah, I think that's perfect because they were just showcasing wiffle ball. They're like, why not have, mm-hmm. you know, MLW come out and show it. They'll, they'll attract people. They will like show, have great pitching to show us and just great wiffle ball play in general to show us, you know, kind of have that wow factor of showing like what competitive wiffle ball looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. You know, that's, but they, that's also like a, props to nike too for like hiring passionate people because you know if you bring in people to your company who maybe aren't so passionate about sports they're just you know trying to sell your clothes and they don't really care um you probably don't have employees that are coming across mlw then you know what i mean so or like want to make that happen you need someone in there that makes this happen that brings our content in front of people who can you know approve you know a decision yeah that's what that's what me and kyle were talking about is that it takes a, a a deal of vision to mm-hmm. be able to see like what we have going and what we've built and how much and it's really you can really see well i think what sells it really well is the amount of passion that all of all the players play with the amount of time that you guys put in in editing the videos scheduling you know it's it's you can see it in the content and you can see it in how we all play, how much we all care. And I think that is, I think that is what makes it, you know, really attractive to these, to, you know, these companies, which is really cool, really cool to see all that pay off, you know, mustache boy, anything from you? <laughs> mustache. No, I really like hearing Ward's insights. Both you guys, I think, made great points. And uh, I think it's just like, it's really cool to get these opportunities where, um, you know, now we're in a place where, um, like you said, we're not necessarily chasing um, these deals or chasing these opportunities, but it's really like um, we're in a spot where we can offer, you know, synergies for events and and companies like this you know for content and for um you know various you know whatever whatever be a tournament or an event um so i just think it's really cool that uh you know it's the like like Ward has said you know the hard work shows and um it's just really cool to to think about the fact that not that long ago you guys were just recording videos in the front yard and and now it's just like doing stuff like this and Ward is talking about, you know, the, the respect that he felt there. It's just, you know, it's all awesome. It's very cool. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Ward, well, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, thanks, I appreciate thanks for having it. Me, boys. Sounds like it was a really cool time. I love to talk about it with you more later and I'll talk to Kyle about it as well. Um, oh, definitely. cool, man. Glad you enjoyed it. All right. Thanks for having me on boys. Yep. We'll see you later. Warda. Peace. Thanks out. Yep. Oh, what a pleasure it is to talk with Alec. If you guys enjoyed hearing Alec talk, be sure to check out his MLW Twitch stream. We do stream on Twitch every Wednesday evening, so check that out. The link is twitch.tv slash MLWWiffleBall. There's a cumulonimbus coming in from the western front. <laughs> Outside of the stream with Warda Jack, are you into video games at all or not too much with sports and everything you have going on on your plate?
Um, no, I mean, I like playing video games a lot with my, with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, when I have time, like I enjoy playing by myself, but I really like, to be honest, uh, other than like a couple of times playing Fortnite with you guys, I rarely play anything other than like a sports game. And that's okay, mostly yeah. like, it's mostly like Madden or, um, like I've been playing a lot of like PGA golf. Mm-hmm. Um, that game's like, the game's pretty fun. Um, yeah, and I've been game. getting into golf a lot more lately. So, I mean, I really enjoy video games. I played a lot of video games growing up, um, mm-hmm. especially because I didn't have any brothers to like, mm-hmm. you know, push around or like wrestle with. So <laughs> once I like made my little sister cry and then got in trouble, it was like, mm-hmm. all right, I might as well just go play video games. Yeah. Well, that's but, when the parents take yeah. away the video games, though. That's how it went in my house, at least. Yeah. I mean, I was, a you know, I could work my way around things. You, you know how to finesse it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was just curious because for the gaming community right now, I think it's a fairly exciting time. Call of Duty just came out, that new game. Um, Battlefield yep. is coming out this Friday, Battlefield 2042, as well as I think Halo Infinite drops next week. And I'm with you. I enjoy playing with my friends a lot. I rarely play alone. Um, but I was just texting my friends today like, yo, what are we going to play more of, Halo or Battlefield? Because I'm only going to buy one or the other. <laughs> but I think I'm going to buy Battlefield yep. um, this weekend and play. But the time, I gotta say, go ahead. I gotta say, uh, one of my roommates here got a switch uh, last Christmas, and he brought it to school now, and it's so fun. Like, I don't know if you were a Nintendo guy at all, or had like a DS or anything like that, but playing like Mario Kart with you know four people, or playing like um, Super Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like. It's really nostalgic, honestly. I kind of want to get a Switch, but they're expensive. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, but yeah, you just you run out of time. You gotta just you know figure out your priorities, right? But like in college, like out of season MLW stuff when the channel wasn't as big and not as much was happening. Um, I was talking about my friends with this earlier, but like I loved those days where like it was like a Tuesday and I only had one class and like no exams that week, and I could just like be in my room alone and play some video games for a while. It was just really refreshing. Um, they are fun. Yeah, I can't is. deny it. They're fun, but um, yeah, not, I, yeah, not too I, much right now. I feel like I feel like sometimes video games like get a bad rap, and I can see where some things come where it's um, you know, with like the Call of Duty and things where maybe some people are against like the the violence or something like that, and obviously it doesn't help that graphics and things like that are just getting better. But I mm-hmm. think that like sports video games especially but a lot of other games um other than like maybe damaging your eyes from looking at the screen if you're playing for way too long i think you can i think it is pretty like stimulating for your brain a lot of games uh you know involve strategy and like coordination even though you're just using your thumbs but it still like takes a lot of thought like it's not just like watching tv um it's you're you're a lot more like engaged in that Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like sometimes video games get a little bit of a, of a bad rap, but yeah, I agree. Um, I, my dad has always been a major, massive video game hater, like just for mm-hmm. really for no, I mean, I guess there's a reason for it. I mean, you can see why, you know, as we get busy you're in, and you, as you're an adult, there's less time, but, um, you know, some of my, you know, best laughs, like <laughs> I forget all the times, you know, but when you're on the, you're on the Xbox or whatever with the fellas, you know, you have some good laughs and it can be very you know, um, therapeutic and just a good little stress reliever and have some fun, you know, life's all about having fun, but absolutely. You're talking about like sports games and stuff and the stimulating the brain. I feel like I've seen, 
a whole lot of that. Like, that's a spectrum for me of video games, just to kind of walk you through. Um, like, yeah, I'd say, first and foremost, certain games to me are so incredibly frustrating. And one that actually comes to mind right away is NCAA. I know you're a big NCAA guy, Jack. Oh, yeah. But, like, oh, NCAA yeah. 14, I get so mad sometimes. Like, I used to be in a dynasty with my friends. We had, like, a eight or eight to ten guy like actual dynasty yeah. we'd all play that was super fun a great feature to the game but i'd have like we'd play in the mac or whatever on the hardest game modes like our players weren't that great and i'd be like in crunch time against a, like one of my friends or against a cpu in this dynasty and my like quarterback would make an errant throw and like i'd be so yeah. mad like it would make me yeah. or like i'd fumble I'd get so like I get so mad. I don't think any game has ever made me as mad as NCAA 14. If I'm being completely honest with you, the only re- time I ever broke a controller was playing that game. Yeah. I will say, I was playing. Um, it wasn't even an online dynasty. It was just a normal like offline one, and I, yep. I, my undefeated season was ruined by like a game expiring field goal from so long that should oh, not have gone in. Don't even get me started, bro. How and come, I just whipped the controller. And, how come and it like u- hit the frame of the couch and just shattered? How come the user kickers can only kick it like 50 yards yeah. tops and then the CPU will send out like an FCS kicking team and I'll drain like a 59 <laughs> yarder? I'm like, yeah. what is that? I yeah, so I mad. couldn't. I lost it. I couldn't handle it. Oh, I but. have so many funny memories. Funny looking back on it, but just gut wrenching at the time. But like in that online dynasty we had, we had like a group message, you know. And we would like videotape our like TVs and send in replays to each other of like garbage <laughs> that would happen during the games. <laughs> and I, See, I can remember some yeah. terrible stuff. I remember one particular moment, and it was in Road to Glory in NCAA 13, where. I don't know why, because I made more players that all did way better. But this, my first ever Road to Glory, my running back, I went to Oregon. And um, he was really good. Like, I was winning the Heisman sophomore year, junior year, senior year. Great player, started every year, obviously. But um, I think my freshman year, I lost, like, a regular bowl game. Sophomore year, I went to the national championship and got shut out. Junior year, I went to a regular bowl game and lost. I think those regular games were the Holiday Bowl, for the record. Senior year, I still have not won a bowl game. Senior year, I win the Pac-12 with Oregon, and I get placed in the Rose Bowl. I think I have one loss, and I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the climax of my player's career. I like play this game maybe you know, an hour every other day or whatever, so this has been dragged out. You know, It's been a long career yeah. for this quarterback, maybe six months, maybe even more. Running back or quarterback? Running back, sorry, running back. Running back, yeah. And anyway, it goes to overtime, okay? This is the climax of this man's career. I... They kick a field goal. So all I got to do is score a touchdown to win this bowl. I have not won a bowl game. To win my first and only bowl game as a senior at the Rose Bowl. I get the ball. I think we're on the four-yard line. It's just a halfback stretch to the right. I don't do anything fancy. I just run directly into a tackle, fumble the ball. They recover. Game over. Career over. And I'm not kidding. I think oh I was in a, a micro depression there for like a week. I was, I was, <laughs> I was crushed. It was just so anticlimactic. Oh, anticlimactic. Gosh. I was like, that did not just happen. I did not just yeah. cough up the ball with my star studded ninety nine overall running back to lose. <laughs> to waste just not season. realistic at all. Like, there's no way he's gonna do that based on I his mean, previous maybe, performance. But, but it's just garbage. I ended up winning many natties with different running backs at Michigan State or wherever else I went. I think I had a guy at Miami. But anyway, yeah. that was a big tangent. 
I got pretty good at Fortnite, but, you know, that game was kind of, like, it was so stimulating, and, like, you're playing so hard and so focused that, like, it's almost, like, draining. Like, you'd, oh, yeah. you'd take a break from homework to play Fortnite, and you'd get off and feel just as exhausted as you were before, because you're so locked in, especially when you're playing solos. So this is my point now, was I feel like a lot of video games are like that now. Fortnite, like, made gaming way more competitive. There's so many mm-hmm. kids that are so into it now. So last year, during the lockdown, um, you know, we were all kind of saying, like, God, I'm sick of just trying so hard in these video games, playing, you know, Warzone and Fortnite and all these things. So my friends and I actually got the Xbox Game Pass for, like, 99 cents for three months. It was a deal. And we all downloaded Minecraft. And that was the most fun I've had playing a video game in years because it was so relaxing. I was like, this is so stress-free. I'm not sweating, trying to kill these yeah. insanely good 14-year-old kids. And it was awesome. But that, when you guys were playing Minecraft, were you just doing like like free freelancing, like building stuff as a group, or what were you doing? I'm actually not really like I know what Minecraft is, but I don't really understand like the full I mean, extent of it. And we were basically just like building houses and like making a little yeah, we built like a house for each of us and then made like a big mine. I don't know, just like simple stuff. But like I said, it was relaxing and fun. Yeah. But here's where the story takes a, a dark turn that I haven't come out of yet. Um, oh gosh. So for those of you that know Minecraft, um, you know, when you die, for the most part, you can simply go just, like, back to where your body was, pick up your things, and you're fine. But in this scenario, it's probably about 3 in the morning. My friends had already logged off around 2, but I was still grinding because I was deep, deep in this cave, in this mine shaft. And I had a lot of cool, rare metals and materials, and I had, like, saddles and horse armor. I had a ton of cool stuff. Not that I even care about it, really, because I played this game for a week, maybe, at the time. But I was super into it. And... I was walking, I was on my way out of this cave, walking back to what was the house so I could go to bed, and I had to simply, like, jump over a one-block gap where there was lava, and I failed to make that jump, fell in the lava, cooked myself and died, and lost everything in my inventory, and that was the last time I ever logged into Minecraft. Oh my god. I couldn't even sleep, Jack. I was sick. I was sick to my oh stomach. Oh my gosh. It was devastating um, so, well i mean yeah like when you work like can you just like save the game no you got to go to sleep it's survival mode you can't just you can't just cheat oh my. i died i and like i said usually you could just go disastrous. back and pick up your things where you died at because i died in lava though your stuff just gets it goes up in flames it's gone oh but um i, will, I would I, will I, be, I don't have a i don't have a story as similar as that but one where i was so so upset um the game's been out for a while so i'm gonna spoil the story mode if you haven't played it but okay. uh red dead redemption 2 oh yeah i played it very very awesome game yeah um but when your horse dies at the end like in the last act in the last mission that one for me that one that one got my got my heartstrings you know you kind of get a yeah. little bit attached to you these do. horses right oh, i absolutely get attached and to my horse yeah, and my horse, R.I.P. Butters, uh, nice. had had served me so well throughout that game. Was a valiant steed, and uh, was ripped away from me. That one, that one really got to me. Oh, I had a honeymoon stallion named Dominic, and I was I had similar feelings. <laughs> if you guys have never seen Napoleon Dynamite, that was a Napoleon Dynamite reference. But nice. Um, yeah, so guys, I'm I'm getting Battlefield this Friday when it comes out. Um, hoping to play it. I had more stories to tell today, but I'll have to pick them up later. It's been a long episode. 
but I don't know why I keep buying video games or why I even play them, but the, the fellas are getting it. I'll probably play it a lot this weekend and never touch it again, but I'll probably get <laughs> mad at it or something. I don't know. But anyway, that was a good podcast, Jack. I enjoyed this one. It was good to have Ward on, talk to some fans, and discuss that wild game three. Yeah, good stuff all around. So, fellas, boys and girls, whoever's listening, the next time we talk, episode 72, we will have the 2021 World Series champion and MLW crowned. It's going to be an exciting episode. And could be the reunite. Of and TCC. Jack might be here. Jack might be here. Yeah. Man, next I'm looking forward to next week. We got Thanksgiving, yeah. my favorite holiday. Swagner's coming to town. We'll have a World Series champion out known in the world. It's it's exciting stuff. Needless to say, it is going to be an absolute A1 top shelf banger. Couldn't have said it better myself, Jack. All right, we'll see you next week. Warda, we're losing you, dog. Okay, 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 okay. Am I here? Yeah, you're here. Maybe yeah. stop your video for a second. Yeah, okay. you're back now, fine, so maybe it's all good. I'm back now, okay. Yeah. So, so okay. I just said, um...